with, with that and like just coaching people over the pandemic like the thing that we've talked about before is that movement minimum so like your habit of not, not necessarily what you do on your best weeks but as you said about being kind to yourself like for instance setting yourself like I can do two sessions a week on my busiest week and trying to hold yourself to that minimum and then anything else is a bonus in those busiest periods would be something I'd advise to anyone because even those two sessions you feel like you're getting a bit of a win you get the enjoyment factor out of it and then when things get better the next week you can kind of keep that going so just Hello and welcome back to For Fit's Sake, the podcast by FFS Gyms. We took a bit of a COVID-induced hiatus for the last uh, 14, 15 months or so, but we're delighted to have the podcast back and we're launching a new series. It's, uh, it's obviously been a crazy 18 months since we recorded, so the plan is for uh, the team here at FFS to share some of our learnings, talk about the future, our training, what's happening in-house, and generally look at broader topics in the fitness industry. Before we get into that, though, let me bring back in the main man, Rudds, on the mic. How are you, Rudds? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Excited to be back. Very excited to be back. It's been uh, it's been so good to see people in person again, to pick up some weights and just get back doing what we love, you know. So no, it's been brilliant. You do enjoy picking up some weights, and also another main man who's coming in, who's uh, he's trying to secure a regular spot in the podcast, but this is very much probationary for for now. We'll see what the feedback comes back like, and if people are liking it or not. So uh, Limerick's very own Mike South, Mikey, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, lads. You had a temporary slot in a couple of episodes over the last couple of years. So, you know, what are you going to do differently this time to nail down your spot on the team? Well, I was the quiz master, if I my memory serves me right. But uh, hopefully some fresh ideas, a bit of a buzz and uh, just have a bit of fun. That's really what I'm going to bring to this whole thing. You're going to tell a good story about a ratchet set and assembling a rack during lockdown. So I think we'll save know, that for later on. We'll save that. that. That's going to be the, the, the height of it. So obviously, you know, we can't really go anywhere else except talking about the pandemic to kick this off. And uh, I suppose what we've seen since we've got the gyms back open and had a lot more kind of customer interaction, interaction and talk to people face to face, same with our team. It, what's really stood out is obviously everyone's had very similar challenges but within that there's been a lot of unique challenges that people have had to face and overcome themselves so maybe just kick it off with you Rudds maybe from a psychological viewpoint you know what challenges did the last 18 months lockdowns the pandemic pose for you and maybe how did you go about overcoming them I think um, probably reflecting back especially over the first six months I was probably a lot more stressed than I necessarily thought the probably stress was caused by obviously everything that's happening, but it's just that uncertainty about what's going to happen, what's going to happen uh, with the gym, what's happening with the wider world. And then, um, so that was probably the, the biggest thing, I think, probably reflecting back, certainly over the first six months, I was probably really, really stressed, but didn't necessarily know it that as much at the time because you're kind of trying to get through it all. Um, and then just that kind of uncertainty. But I think getting a bit more used to the fact that there's there's less certainty around and things are improving as well so yeah no that's kind of been the biggest challenge certainly over the last year and a half and you say that that only has come to you more recently that you realized for that six months you probably were more stressed what was the like was it was it like sitting down very obvious focus on self-reflection or did something just click with you and you realized what kind of a place you were in what what brought about that realization i think a whole host of things are just generally feeling like a bit more relaxed i suppose uh sleep was better so that there was a, t- a time during the pandemic where i wasn't sleeping very well and uh, night sweats uh waking up regularly during the night and then not <laughs> even better worse yeah, night sweats. you sweat generally uh, exactly <laughs> um, and generally not sleeping as well as i normally would um waking up during the night and staying awake etc so um yeah pro- probably just those couple of things um but sometimes 
I suppose when you get to the other side of it a little bit, you're like, oh, whoa, I was probably really stressed then. But I think a big part of it as well for me was pretty much everyone you were dealing with was stressed. So you're kind of like benchmarking. You're like, oh, I'm not that bad. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I hope you're not referencing some of our phone calls there. But <laughs> I, I just, to, 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 again, to frame the context of my laughing, I'm not laughing at the fact that Rudd's had sleepless nights. <laughs> if anyone's ever trained with Rudd's or seen any content of him training, you'd know just how sweaty he is <laughs> under normal circumstances. So it would terrify me to think of uh, you with extra night sweating Rudd's. Exactly. Uh, and Mikey, same question to you, really. What, what have you kind of... Um, learned or what have you seen what challenges did you face and how did you go about overcoming them yeah like i suppose the overriding feeling was similar to all it's like a bit of stress during it but it's it's funny like as we kind of came towards the end of it and we heard like we were going to be reopening in june i actually was i had a bit of trepidation about coming back i was kind of like i'm used to my routine now i get up at a certain time i go for my walk i get my work done i go for another walk at lunch and then i train in the evening and i had that routine going and i suppose i was like jeez how am i going to adapt going back into the real world now and this like, am I going to enjoy being in the gym again? I, I was asking myself all these questions. Um, but I literally, the first morning I got back, I was like, this is what I this is what I'm meant to be doing. Like, I'm meant to be in here. I'm meant to be seeing people face to face. Like, I just missed the interaction of being around people. Uh, also missed, like, getting out coaching rugby in the evenings and just being out of the house for more than two hours a day. I missed all that. But it took me literally a day to realise that this is where I want to be. This is what I want to do. And that I don't ever want to go back to those early morning walks on my own because <laughs> my wife is obviously in school teaching and I was kind of spent a lot of time on my own at home but I suppose that was kind of the feeling coming out of the lockdown but when I look back at it, at it um, didn't have sleepless nights I actually slept quite well probably slept more than I've ever slept in my <laughs> life but I did stress out about things that like in the normal times when the gym was open and I'm in the office here that I wouldn't have stressed out about before uh, I put a lot of pressure on myself and I, I suppose it was more, I felt that more, especially probably last year where I learned to kind of ease off a small, a small bit and be a bit nicer to myself this time around. Um, but yeah, it's, I suppose it was just, I found myself when we came back after Christmas getting into a really good routine at home. And I was at, like, like I said, I was a bit kind of worried coming back at how I would adjust back to real life. But a couple of days in and I was like, this is exactly what I want to be doing every day. So it's brilliant. It's interesting, you kind of two things to touch on. One is like that adaptation piece, how like, we got used to it, you know, yeah. like, and it's that thing about, you know, getting back into the real world, that's change again. So it's, it's kind of, how did you find, like, it sounds like you found a very good routine very quickly. Was yeah. that, was that like intentional or did it fall into place? Cause look, you know, you talked about, um, your wife teaching, like a lot of people would have been in extreme isolation throughout, you know, those yeah. first couple of months of lockdown, they're living on their own different things. So like, what was what were the key things to you in that period to kind of fill that you know teachers like not eight eight to three or seven to seven or whatever hours they're in there what was the key for you the key to me was just planning my weeks um and i planned so i made it kind of deal with myself coming into january when i knew we weren't coming back to right i'm going to sit down every friday and i'm going to plan the next week so i'm going to book in my train and i'm going to big book in the time of my laptop get all my calls that i need to do done and try to just be ahead of things by wednesday and then i'm not going to be too stressed going into the weekend about trying to catch up with stuff so to me, it was all about planning and I found that the online classes and going out for a run, I was building them into my week. It's almost my number one thing. I'm going to train at this time on a Monday. I'm going to start my week right so often. I train on a Monday morning and I just get it done early so I know I have that done and it sets me up for the day. And then I'd build it in my, I suppose, my runs. And then in February, I went away and I bought a bit of a weights rack. That's where the ratchet story comes in for the best pizza kit I've ever bought. Had it assembled in no time. but. That then became part of my routine as well. I could get back doing a bit of weightlifting as well. And I was building that into my week and I was 
write myself a program and I was I was just a bit more involved with my training and I'm probably trained more than I've ever done in those that those kind of months January to May. So to answer your question, it was just about planning my weeks out and knowing right you are going to be at home. You're not allowed to move within outside of 5k of your house. Uh what does my week look like every week? And I planned my first week and I was like that went well so it just kept going that way and I was just getting ahead of it and uh, just making sure I filled my days and I was being busy, I was being occupied, but I was doing things that I enjoyed doing. Like I loved, I loved going out for looking at different walk routes. Uh, loved getting into the water when the temperatures went up a bit. Um, and I just, I just loved the training as well. I really enjoyed it, and uh, my days were busy and I was good. You're not a diehard uh, winter swimmer like some of the no. crew in the gym here. Okay, no. they'll be, they'll be disappointed to hear that. Probably be talking like you know, end of March, start of April, when when swim season start for Mikey. Two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> For context, this has been recorded on the 28th of July. So, and the heat wave is just over. It's lashing yeah. rain all day. So Mike, you linked kind of the psychological and the physical aspect very closely together. And it's something that we would have talked about Rudds on previous podcasts around mindset, staying physically active. Like everybody knows this. But like, is that the key for you as, as well as routine and control the controllables? Like you knew the circumstances, you planned your week, you did these different things. Were they inextricably linked in terms of when, when you trained consistently, your mood was better, you found it easier to be productive? Or was it just a case of you were training for fun? Because training symbolized a lot of different things for different people at different times of the pandemic. It could have been a release, it could have been necessary. Uh, you know, what was, what was that link for you and why were they linked so closely together? Uh, for me, it, it wasn't um, so much a release. It was just the joy I got out of it. Um, and it set me up. So I, like I said a minute ago, I'd always try to get it done in the morning because I really felt the days where I missed it. So for example, if I did have the odd bad night's sleep and I didn't get up and get into my class or get out for my run, that genuinely would have a bit of a knock-on effect. And I'd be thinking about doing the training because I might have I might have called from 9 to 12, which means I can't train then if I've woke up a bit too late and then I'd be thinking about it during the day that like, I need to get this done, I need to get it done. And and to me, that was a bit of a worry because like if I, if I get held up at work, I won't get it done. And I've missed it in the morning. And then that just turns into a day for me where it's had, a, I suppose, not training has had a negative in, impact on my overall mood and probably my day because it's on my mind. And so for me, it was, it set me up for the day. It genuinely, like it was the precursor to every day. I would work harder, I'd be more productive. Uh, I'd get more done. I'd be energized. That was probably the big thing. I felt the mornings I didn't train, I was probably getting into the laptop or sitting down, knowing that I was going to be sitting down for quite quite a lot of hours. And I didn't really feel energized about what I was doing. Whereas the mornings when I trained, had my shower, sat down, had a bit of food, like I was, I was ready to go. Like my mindset was ready to go. I know I've got that big thing done that I loved doing. I loved going into the online classes more than anything, I'd say. Um, so for me, if that's what it did. It, just, it was just the way I wanted to start my day. And when it was missed, it probably had a bit of a, a knock-on effect to the rest of the day for me, really. There's definitely a control element to that as well. Like, you know, yeah. you're talking about knowing the circumstances, planning out your week. Like with so many distractions, like especially for our coaches and our staff going for like our industry is affected, every industry is affected, but it's a very juxtaposed position for our coaches to find themselves in working in a gym eight to 10, 12 hours a day where it's, you know, face to face, very close contact interaction to sitting down all day at a screen or, you know, stand up desk or whatever it is. But that's a huge transition. You know, our, our guys might have spent a couple of hours a day max at a laptop and it's generally broken up into 10, 15 minute slots where you're taking notes of programming to now six to eight hours in front of a screen. So uh, I think that's that's definitely something that I can see how it could slip away from you pretty quickly if you didn't get it done. Yeah. And Rose, is it similar for you then? What, what, I suppose, physical challenges did you face um, throughout the whole scenario? 
Really similar to Mike in terms of my reasons for training, and I would have been, I have been really consistent ever since the start of the pandemic. I would have done five sessions a week, every week, um, of something. Uh, it changed during the pandemic, but like the online classes were great for me as well. One, uh, not necessarily doing exactly what you like to do and like just doing the exercises you're good at. So doing a well-rounded program was certainly helpful, but the thing I miss is just people. So like keeping connected to people in the gym. So like popping into those online classes, you'd see all the members uh, and see the coaches. So like, even though you couldn't see people in person, for me, that was really big of being able to see people and stay in touch that way. Um, and then same as you, just it's something I enjoy. It's the reason I got into doing this. I enjoy the, I enjoy training and I enjoy helping people. So um, they were kind of my main reasons for doing it. And it definitely did help me throughout the whole pandemic of, uh, something I do it in the mornings for the most part as well yeah. same as yourself and you just feel really good for the morning have a shower start your day um, so yeah how about yourself uh, yeah like similar probably a hybrid of the two of you guys like I would have found definitely walks in the morning and stuff spending some time with my wife just getting out talking um, like you know the stress of the whole thing was huge uh, for everybody you know like like you talked about earlier it's like the business what's going to happen most mostly people you know really worried about people within our team and, and trying to help them and make sure that you know we could do all we could as a business and trying to help our members you know put people first like we always try to do and that was what caused the most amount of stress um because there are things we can't control we can't control how other people feel how they perceive circumstances what mood they're in uh you know no matter how much we try and help and be supportive we, we can't really change those things we can just be there and listen so that was very tough because you're very disconnected not around people as much so one of the best bits of advice i got at the start of the whole pandemic was just to talk uh, people who know me know I, I don't really have an issue talking generally anyway but uh, like I found just calling people like I had like 10 people um, who I would call you know every two to three days um, you know and, and that they could be any time so like I'd finish college lectures in the evening at like half nine ten o'clock and I'd go for a run then uh, you know after sitting at a computer all evening I'd need to clear my head and I'd call TK I hope you're listening in Vancouver you know I'd call TK at one o'clock in the morning because because he's he's up and he's about it was just that weird time in the first sort of <coughs> six six to twelve weeks you're right Mikey yeah all good not a COVID related cough 100% that okay very good uh, you know like I found that really useful um, to help me deal with things at the start so kind of getting out walking running while talking to people helped me to just keep keep my mind fresh and my body fresh uh, but it wasn't easy and you know, I found training really tough at the start I found it like very hard to motivate myself to get into the online classes like you know you both said it was kind of the best part of your day I, I didn't really enjoy it that much I found it very tough you know in the apartment to get myself up to do it but it was seeing the people that that's what got me through it. It wasn't like, I can't wait to go train online. Um, I do it two, three times a week to see people, uh, you know, and then it was running really was the big thing just to get out and, you know, use that hour while I'm running to call people and talk to people, friends, family, and just, just bounce ideas off people and uh, have different voices to, to lend, lend their opinions on how we can deal with things. So um, definitely the two are inextricably linked. I know there's weeks where I didn't train that much. If college was getting heavy or things were getting heavy with work, you know, you, f you just don't feel great. You're not in a good headspace. So definitely to Mikey's point, trying to get it in and become a really good part of your routine. But um, just, you know, it wasn't easy, you know. With, with that and like just to coaching people over the pandemic, like the thing that we've talked about before is that movement minimum. So like your habit of not, not necessarily what you do on your best weeks, but 
as you said about being kind to yourself like for instance setting yourself like i can do two sessions a week on my busiest week and trying to hold yourself to that minimum and then anything else is a bonus in those busiest periods would be something i'd advise to anyone because even those two sessions you feel like you're getting a bit of a win you're getting the enjoyment factor out of it and then when things get better the next week you can kind of keep that going so just a little tip for anyone out there set a minimum and focus on that when you're busy as opposed to setting maximums because then we can feel like oh i normally do five i can't get five in i'll just wait until next week but um yeah that would be a good tip for people on that yeah i think it's interesting like we've talked about sort of some of the challenges like we'd need a couple of extra hours to discuss all of the, the challenges that we probably each had but i think even you know we're three very similar guys we work very closely together we, we talk to each other literally every day during the pandemic but you know we we still all had a very different perception of how things were going and how, how things were actually affecting us in our own lives. So I think that's something that's really interesting for people to listen is that like, even though you have a really good support structure and a lot of friends around you, like you still can feel isolated and, and find, you know, just cause you're, you know, Mikey, you're talking about loving those online classes. I'm talking about finding them hard. Yeah. Like people can feel different and that's okay. You know, you don't have to look, I don't have to look at Mike and Mike gets on a management call and he's like, did the class this morning, loved it, feeling great for the day. Uh, and I'm like, okay, I, I couldn't, I couldn't get myself up to get into the class. I, I look at Mike and I go, that's great. I'm happy for Mike, you know, instead of looking at Mike going, why don't I feel happy? You know, yeah. why, why isn't it good for me? And I think that's just important for people to understand that, like, don't look at other people and kind of think I need to go train loads because that makes that guy happy. Like what I said to myself, and I know I said this to both of you very quickly. It's like that one thing about talk to everyone after a week um and just like reflecting and thinking where this is going to go i said to myself like every single day i'm going to do something that makes me laugh you know that that was it that was my rule for like three months was like i don't care what it is like some days it was watch a movie you know i could watch a movie at two o'clock in the afternoon yeah. uh, it would be get my work done you know um, but, but laugh became smile and smile became be happy so in order to be happy it would be get my assignment done by friday so i can enjoy the weekend and it changed but it all started with that first few weeks of do something that makes you laugh and it could be anything you know call a friend watch a movie uh, then smile it could be go get a burger it could be cook a healthy meal it was always different it was never one thing but like small kind of things like that really helped me to ignore the noise that was going on around me to not compare myself to even you know you lads who were in my closest circle of friends just focus on me and, and and my family and that kind of immediate circle so it's kind of you know don't listen to this and be like oh of course those lads enjoyed training they loved it it was easy for them you know everyone has their challenges and it's okay to have different ones you don't have to look at other people and feel like i should feel like that guy or that girl so um i suppose on that then like for you roads what's the biggest thing coming out of the back of this like we're, hopefully we're out the back of it hopefully we're not finding ourselves in this situation again but like what's the biggest learning just from like a general perspective in life thing you know not specific to training or mindset like what's the biggest thing you've learned and that would help to maybe change the way you go about your business or go about leading your life for the immediate future um i don't think it's necessarily one big shift the two big things is gratitude so like gratitude for all the things that you couldn't do during the pandemic that you love doing, whether it's coming in, training in the gym with people, whether it's catching up for um, food or drinks with people, um, even shaking hands, like I can't wait at some yeah. stage to shake hands with Pons. people. So gra- gratitude would be one of them. And then the second bit is like resiliency, um, that, you know, like we made it through that time and I know I made it through that time. So like they're probably the two big things for me is gratitude and resiliency. Mikey? Yeah, like it has been grateful for everything that we're now able to do. I know we're not fully out of it yet, but 
being able to see people face to face like I didn't realise like I said at the start of this conversation how much I actually missed being around people I know given most circumstances we're still socially distanced but I, I actually genuinely missed it I realised I'm actually a people person I thought I liked my own company but I don't I need to be around people even if it's on a golf course at work wherever it is uh, I miss that a lot and I'm very grateful to have that opportunity again to be in, in a job as well where I get to be around people every day um, the only thing I learned I suppose going forward is like the, just to stop putting myself under crazy pressure um, I know myself Rory myself you might have talked recently and like you're like tomorrow's a new day like just do what you can today and like tomorrow is a new day you can, if there's something you're struggling to get over in one day just go to bed that night tomorrow's a new day if you can't fix it that day like nothing is that bad we can we, you know, we can get through something we can fix it so I just put myself under I suppose I felt like I was putting myself under pressure because I, I was probably at a laptop or situated in one place and looking at the same stuff a bit more than I normally would whereas here you're kind of coming and going you're moving around a bit while you're in the office or in the gym so it's probably just been taking a bit more time over things not being so harsh on myself when it comes to certain tasks and uh just enjoying what I do every day now because I didn't get to do that for the last 18 months so it's 100% just the enjoyment factor as well and you mentioned golf there which is key so that, that'd be something I'm hoping you're going to enjoy a lot over the rest of the summer God, uh, yeah. hopefully not when Leinster are playing the rest of Ireland in the Ryder Cup in a few weeks time uh, and we'll have Cahill in soon who's going to talk about that a little bit as well so that'll be interesting I think just to that point I'd kind of be a mixture of probably the two of you lads there it's like being present is kind of big thing that I've learned is like it's very hard to like you talked about there like focus on what has to be done to, to get things done to move forward if you're not present if you're thinking about the other yeah. task or the next job it's doing that that one thing at a time keeping the main thing the main thing and staying present right there and then and it's that exact thing I know I said it to you today but like you know whatever challenges come I, I sort of started to see them as you know waves so like things come in waves but like it comes and it goes like it comes in pressure hits you challenges mount up but it drifts away again you know the sun will always rise the next day you'll have an opportunity to do something better to learn from what happened the day before um, and it's probably some similar stuff but I think it's being kinder to yourself and, and understanding that you know like we are resilient like you said Rudds like you know, be robust we can get through this but it's okay at times to find things tough and to, to kind of use that support network and reach out to people Um but yeah, I think so that, that's kind of the main things covered from what we've learned over the last 18 months. So I suppose it's good to touch on where the podcast is going to go for the next the next couple of months. So the plan is to have one to two episodes a month, really trying to showcase our, our coaches and our community at FFS, leveraging the skill sets and experiences of, of our whole team, as well as championing our members, our community and kind of the wider fitness network that we have. Uh, as always we do love feedback so if you have anything that you want us to cover or guests you want us to get in touch with or questions you want to ask us uh, we'll do our best to answer them just Instagram, Twitter best way to get onto us or pop us an email and we look to kind of keep the interaction up as much as we can and make sure that everyone who's listening gets their questions in so we can make it as interactive an experience as possible but before we bring in our first guest of the new series which is our very own Carl Cosgrove who heads up the uh, metabolic conditioning program at FFS so all of our members have a lot of interesting questions for Carl about why he's putting them through so much pain in their first few uh, weeks and months back into the gym uh, you know just quickly before we get into that if you are liking the episodes make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast or maybe take the next 10 seconds to copy the, the link to this episode throw it into a WhatsApp group and share it to somebody who you think might enjoy some of the things that we've discussed so far and uh, we'd love to keep trying to grow the network and get more people listening to the podcast I can see Kyle lingering so Kyle why don't you come and join us we'll get you set up 
So welcome, Carl. Hi, lads. Have you have you been on the podcast at any stage before? In the never, past? never on the podcast by, de- by yeah. design, I I suppose. I um, don't understand why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're gonna find out yeah. over the next. None of this will air. Yeah. 15, 20 minutes. Uh, so I suppose you know, Carl. Uh, do you want to maybe just for the people who don't know you? I know it's hard to believe there's people listening who might not know who you are. Uh, apart from being uh, KJ's fitness consigliere, what else you actually do yeah. do at FFS? What your role is? Um, I am the head of metabolic conditioning here at the gym, so I design all those lovely Metcons that people do on a monthly basis. Um, I'm a personal trainer, and then I also specialize in golf-specific S&C as well. Okay, those who cannot do coach, is, is, that, uh, the, is that the golf? Yeah, golf well, we'll see what I can do now in a month's time. <laughs> <laughs> Again, for context, FFS Ryder Cup five-year anniversary called off like eight times last year. <laughs> Uh, you know, there's a lot of pent up emotion that's yeah. going to be released in West Clare in a few weeks' time. So, uh, yeah. So maybe over to you, Rhodes, if you want to kick us off and maybe get into uh, a bit of the kind of specifics what we want to chat to Carl about. Yeah. So obviously, over the pandemic, something we would have done before, but over the pandemic, we tried to make um, an opportunity of not being in the gym to do like a lot of online workshops amongst us as the coaches. So instead of doing one of them a month. We're up to two or three of them a month, some months, and then uh, one or two of the others, and basically trying to educate each other um, on different parts of training. So we'll try and give you some of the key points, as Roy said, leveraging the knowledge of our coaches and share with you the key points of some of those CBD presentations over the coming weeks. And so Carl and myself worked on the work capacity CPD for us as the coaches. And obviously Carl is the head of the metabolic conditioning training. So just wanted to kind of give you some practical insights to help you to improve your fitness basically. But um, the first one is for me saying work capacity for anyone who doesn't know out there. Um, what is work capacity Carl? That is the question everyone wants to know. We talk <laughs> about it all the time. What do they mean? Um, Basically, the definition we came to in the end yeah. was it's, it's the amount of work you can perform, you can recover from, and you can positively adapt to. Um, depending depending on, yeah, good, good line. Depending on um, what it is you're working on, then it'll depend on what exactly that means. So from a, a conditioning point of view, we kind of gave that the term of general endurance when we were talking about work capacity. So that's your ability to work for a continuous period of time work in many different muscle groups, movement patterns, and obviously there's a high cardiovascular demand there as well, and basically your engine. So basically being able to work continuously, move really well. One of the big things or quotes that we came across was you should always be able to look like a sprinter and not like a plow horse while you're doing your conditioning work. You don't want to be, you know, bent over after a few minutes and just plowing through it. You want to look, look well and perform well the whole time. So that was kind of the definition we came to from a conditioning point of view. I think it was interesting when we were doing it because we both kind of had our ideas in our head and then we looked at different coaches and you look at, I think we looked at eight coaches and yeah. all their definitions of it were different. So we kind of tried to summarize those things into our definition. But as well, the one of the interesting things we found around it was um, that kind of both acute and then chronic work capacity. So like your work capacity in one session for a Metcon if you got fitter over the course of eight weeks you'd be able to do more work in that one session and recover from it over the eight weeks but then also your work capacity is just the amount of work you can handle in a week and a month so as you get fitter you improve your ability to do work and recover from the work that eight week period you might have been doing two or three sessions a week and that might have been flooring you and you're feeling tired yeah but then after gradually building up your work capacity over a number of weeks 
you might be able to do five or six sessions and recover from that. So we looked at a couple of studies around um, beginners to exercise programs. Uh, and what they found was uh, when they were doing like five or six sessions a week, they couldn't necessarily recover from the five or six as a beginner. So uh, they weren't getting the positive adaption. Then they weren't getting the positive adaption from that. Essentially. Um, yeah exactly so what uh, just one thing I was going to add there as well is that you know they went into general and specific as well and that's why we kind of went to the term general endurance too because when you hear capacity you know you're talking about the size of a tank there so for some people that could be aerobic capacity and then for other people that could be you know a sprinter obviously is going to need a high aerobic capacity so it depends on what your specific task is and then you can work on your work capacity for that task an interesting one with that to tie in the golf. Uh, I was reading about, uh, is it DeChambeau, the guy who hits the ball of miles? The main man. The main man. So this, but this is an example, as you were saying, about specific work capacity. So it's, you wouldn't necessarily think of like golf as a work, you know, you need work capacity to do that sport. But I was reading or hearing something in a podcast about him where he'd swing, trying to swing as fast as he can and hit a ball and he's looking at his swing speed. And then he was increasing the amount of, like, uh, say, over a 10-minute period, how many times he could do, like, his top speed or close to his top yeah. speed. So that's his time. And he, tra- exactly. he trained that over a period of time of being able to repeat those high acceleration swings. Yeah. And that was him building work capacity over a number of weeks. And he's trained himself to swing faster more often and be able to do more work in a short period of time. do more volume of high-speed swings now, you know, when he needs to, which is exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, what's interesting, I suppose, to that specific example, um, like with with him and talk about spec- that specificity, he had to build that speed first. Uh, you know, so the whole principle around that is get the speed, uh, then learn to manage the load of the speed, and then finally control the speed. So, like you know, he he's been heavily criticised for hitting the ball all over the planet because he's got this speed he can't control. But that was always part of his plan: get the speed first do those sessions like you're talking about like he does Tuesday range sessions before everyone he does that 10 minutes how many of these uh, once once his swing speed starts to drop he knows he's, he's maxing out in his capacity he needs a bit more recovery but again heavily criticised for doing that but you know there's logic to it it's very specific to his sport and then ultimately it comes to control which is what Carl talked about looking good while doing it so not only has he got the specific speed which is probably like you're talking about Carl the ability to, to move a certain way in the gym mm-hmm. uh, then he's building the capacity around doing it and then finally comes doing it very very well and consistently so it's interesting it's specific to what you're or similar to what you're talking about from the gym to literally the yeah. top top level of, of elite sport it's the same it's movement at the end of the day so if you take an example of that and you put it into a bodyweight squat say so you start with a bodyweight squat the first thing and most important thing is do it well so like that form first principle so as you said being able to do it first and do it well then the second thing is for, for us if we were programming for that you just gradually build up over weeks and months the amount of sets someone's doing or the amount of reps so you might drop, drop rest periods there's so many ways that you could increase the amount of bodyweight squats someone did in the workout and then you could increase the intensity then where you might add a weight to it or you might add a pause to that and then the last piece then would be taking it into a far more challenging demand once they've got all that they've built the capacity they've built the tolerance to do it and then trying to be able to repeat it perfectly at quite a a challenging uh, demand but it takes time to get there same as the golf example you're not going to be able to come in on day one and be able to 
do a lot of body sorry a lot of weighted squats really well and tolerate that well so i think it, it applies across every movement really doesn't it's it? basically just building the volume that you can tolerate that's the key message i guess like for him it's those high speed swings like how much of that can he tolerate and then when he needs on the course for that one all out controlled but powerful swing he's done all that volume to be able to do that like for someone in a practical um, sense in our gym it's you know we talked about it'd be someone doing three sets of five reps and then they might to try and increase their capacity add one more set of just two reps and then they build that up to eventually four sets of five reps but when they strip that back again to three sets of three their strength is going to have gone up they're going to be able to because they increased the volume at that weight now their capacity has gone up so when they strip it back down they can tolerate more load that's a really simple one for us to describe to people and the ones we, we were using, because like over lockdown and um, when we were programming for people online, th- th- this is one of the challenges for programming for personal training clients online. So normally you have a gym and you could just you could just increase the the load on the bar. But then a lot of the people that we were programming for, that, I, that we were all training, they had one or two bits of kit. So like one or two kettlebells or one or two dumbbells. So now you can't necessarily progress it as much by just adding weight. So then... You, as you said, um, you might increase the number of sets, then you might increase the number of reps, and then you might bring it back and move up to the heavier weight. So, in terms of what you spoke about, Roy, about learning from the lockdown, that was probably a really good learning for us. Was basically being able to program, uh, with less and be able to do more with less, and then now you come back with a few more options as different ways that we can build work capacity that isn't necessarily just. Yeah. add more weight or and i think all that strength work for the people that stuck with it throughout the lockdown like the body weight stuff like i definitely noticed some people when they came back into the gym doing like that high rep lots of sets edt style training maybe when they came back in and they were just doing their three sets again you know they benefit so much from doing that months of you know a lot of body weight work a lot of stability work high volume high reps when they came back in and stripped it back down they were much better and probably got their strength back a lot quicker because of it with their heavy weights too and that, that's really, because the, the thing I was going to ask you is, why is it important? That's probably the real value in my mind of work capacity is, as you said, it allows you to be a better platform to do everything. And it lays the foundation. It lays the foundation. Exactly. And also it makes you more robust as well, because if you can recover more from what you're doing, then you're able to train again. Whereas if you're not recovering from the work you do, um you can't train as much basically the question i was going to ask is like work capacity as a principle like why did that become so important because obviously you're heading up the metcon program and when we went online like our one of our core values here is to be adaptable uh you know do you want to talk maybe around how when it when it went from like we you know we can't really do strict high intensity interval training at home people don't have access to cardio kit you can't do thousand burpees every single day in session so you know what were the conversations like around that inception of the concept of work capacity uh, as obviously we're talking now about its evolution and how yeah. it'll play a role in, in the gym going forward but do you want to take us back to what those conversations sure. were like probably march march 2020 yeah i have a good memory luckily yeah <laughs> um well me Rudd's just i think got on a phone call and we put it all out in front of us and said okay look these are things we can't do obviously with lockdown we're going to be training at home but it was basically picking out the things we can do and what we can get better at. And let's double down on getting better at that. So you can still build an engine from home, you know, with very minimal equipment. You know, we can do loads of different movement patterns, loads of bodyweight work. We can pair exercises together to make them harder. We can do all those things so that when people come back into the gym, they've gotten better. 
at their at something which in this case we we called the class work capacity because that's you know really catchy name for a conditioning class but <laughs> but it was basically because that's what we thought we were going to work on for the for those months and i think it's safe to say we did like people were saying to us all the time like those classes were really hard they were different than just your hit work maybe on the machines in here they were you know seven eight minute blocks of work doing lots of different moving patterns at home and it, they were hard as hell and i think uh, people got great benefit out of them sweaty sessions yeah yeah for like for me i suppose since i came back and talking to people because like i sound i know we were chatting about it a while ago but we've done an awful lot of the online classes especially the work capacity and it's funny you, you don't really look at the screen and see who's up there you only see it when the coach is demoing the exercise but when you're working you're not looking ahead of you you're just tipping away um but when we came back here like the, the people i would have noticed online like their overriding opinion was they got better at something so they used to say to me, my lunge is now much better, or my squat depth is way better. And they didn't have weights, they didn't have any equipment. They were just doing work capacities rather than strength. And they were just following the instruction, but they've certainly gotten better. That's what they were saying was one or two movements have gotten better. They felt good coming back into the gym. There wasn't real fear about going into a mechanism because they felt like their body was in a good place. They had done two or three sessions a week. They've been out getting their steps up. So that's what I suppose the feedback I was getting from people who, who I'd seen online and coming back into Metcons, which I coach here in 34, that they were moving a bit better and that they were, they didn't fall off. They felt like they were at a really good level coming back into the gym as well. Yeah, and probably like a lot less like injuries and stuff yeah. as well when people yeah. come back in because they did so much body weight work. You know, you talk about robustness, but if you're doing lots of things that's on the floor, floor-based movement, you know, so good for your hip and your shoulders, stability. You know, when people come back in here and they are maybe using weights again at a higher intensity, you know, they definitely got a huge benefit from that as well, doing all that floor-based movement. The robustness is the big point I was going to touch on there. Like, if you're able to do these, you know, in a, in a 45-minute work capacity session, solo sessions had, like, over 30 minutes of working volume in them. It's yeah. so like, you know, being able to do that with really good form, form first, one of the main principles of the way we train people, like, that's going to carry over to every type of training that you do, in the gym, whether it's running, like anything. If you're able to sustain that level of movement, build that engine, the confidence that gives you going into any setting is huge and you've kind of seen that even like we're back playing tag rugby and stuff yeah. now um and you know it's, it's great fun getting out there's always tweaks there's always hammies there's always call actually you new new man yeah. we, we we need a whole other episode to talk about your impact in, 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 higher, in tag yeah. rugby yeah a lot of handoffs a lot of a <laughs> lot of a lot of physicality it was one problem. game yeah. uh, four handoffs but yeah. yeah but like that's something you know people are feeling strong and able to you know like no one's doing very high repeated sprints at home as part of work capacity sessions but like people are able to do that stuff now because they have the engine and they have the confidence in their body to go out and move multi-directional on a pitch even though like you talked about it's not specific to that but just the general engine has been built to facilitate slightly more specific things exactly. when the time comes so it's certainly a huge merit in it i did a talk over lockdown um and online and uh, is this a corporate plug Rudd's plug <laughs> corporate talks corporate talks but not um, one of the questions was just before we opened back up or one of the points when the golf courses were just about to reopen uh, someone said to me he's like uh, look I'm going to be going out and I'm going to be playing golf again what advice would you give me between now and then uh, for that and I'd obviously been talking in the the talk about the idea that you could from home you could still work on your movement quality uh, you could still work on building a bigger engine and you could work on getting stronger with your own body weight. So I kind of covered that in the talk as part of it. So he was asking me specifically what would he do in the next four days before the golf course opened. <laughs> in the next 90 minutes before <laughs> I, 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 but, but, but But it was a really good question. And I just said to him, uh, like, you, if I was you, I'd work on opening up your hips, 
I'd work on opening up rotations. So like for you, the, the golf coach, I just gave him like, you're going to be doing a ton of rotating and probably you're going to be so keen to get back. You might even play more than you normally did. So you might end up doing like two or three rounds when you normally get to do one. So that's kind of a recipe for disaster of like doing nothing and then doing more than you've ever, you normally do in like a short space of time for our bodies. So Again, it's not going to completely prepare him for that, but what he could do and what you can do has given him some of Spider-Man to windmills and T-spine rotations. And I said, get cracking on that every day till you go back and golf. And then when you go golf and try and resist the urge to go back and play two or three rounds in the first week, try and do a There's couple... There's no way yeah, he missed it. Yeah. He, prob- he probably went for it. But best advice would have been, you know, like build into it. You maybe do a nine hole and an 18 the first week and then yeah. you maybe do two, two 18 holes. I know golf doesn't sound like it's hard on the body, but it's a lot harder than people think, isn't it? It's so hard. Like we've all had soreness from golf at some stage, but like... People only recently see golfers as athletes, but when you think about what they're doing, what they need, particularly if you're at a reasonably good level, you know, you need huge hip mobility, thoracic mobility, stability of the lower body, then you want to have power, because everyone wants to hit the ball further, so you need to be able to develop lower body power, you need to have all those physical things, but yeah, people see it as very much a sport of kind of all men play and good hand-eye coordination, but there's so much, so much physical requirements for it, you know? And in terms of, for you, if you, like, again, it's impossible to say the best exercises or anything like that because it I know as a coach and we know that like it depends on the context. It's the question you're gonna ask. Yeah. yeah. But but <laughs> I suppose if you, if you if someone was listening to this and they they enjoy the golf but they wouldn't necessarily do anything for their their golf if you were to give them like two or three things that would be helpful for most people it doesn't have to be a specific exercise it could be a thing to work on what like maybe two or three things for most people would be beneficial from a physical standpoint to aid their golf. For sure. Like even just from a, a injury prevention point of view, like if people just, like you said, they find a little mobility routine, a couple of hip mobility exercises, a couple of thoracic mobility exercises, that will just, if they consistently just do that, just find a little routine that you can consistently do instead of doing a fancy routine once in a blue moon, a couple of hip mobility exercises, a couple of T-spine mobility exercises, cause that's the main areas that you need range of motion and then if you can just build a strong trunk because the most common you know issue is low back pain so if you can you know build a strong core some anti-rotation stuff if you've just done those basic things and done it pretty consistently you'd be hurt a hell of a lot less and you know you'd probably be a bit stronger as well because if you can get that anti-rotation and get your core stronger you know you'll hit the ball i would imagine a little bit further because you'll have that you know trunk power like on that the the guys all know here there's um basically my snc dad is dan john i've never met him but uh <laughs> i i'd be a big fan of his work uh and listened and read to pretty much everything that he has over lockdown serious fanboy yeah, yeah. Stuff yeah. Going on. yeah. he's not listening i'm sorry no <laughs> I, love, I love you dan uh, but one, one of the things he talked about so he was a discus thrower himself so like rotational sport and then he trained loads of discus throwers and he was saying one of the biggest um, game changers for him was adding in anti-rotation work to his training program because he did a ton of rotation in his sport, but then he wasn't necessarily strong through anti-rotation. So he started doing anti-rotation work and he threw the discus further. And his rationale behind that was he was able to create more stiffness and power through that. So, like an elastic so he can control time. his rotation as well. So he, yeah. 
he, he found that from a from a discus throwing standpoint. So it's pretty much one of my big beliefs with any golfer I train as well is that we train way more anti rotation than we do rotation. And like in terms of maybe periodization, you might get them in and work on strength first, and in that strength work, it'll be a lot of anti rotation, and then that'll develop into maybe some rotational power stuff. But you gotta get that that base first. And just for someone listening who obviously were kind of personal trainers, SNC coaches, avid we, golfers, avid golfers, we understand the term anti rotation. But if you were to give maybe a beginner anti rotation exercise and then an intermediate uh, exercise, like what would be one or two examples that people could do for anti rotation, starting from a beginner to a little bit more advanced? Yeah, so you're talking pull off variations. So you tie a band up around a pole, you walk out, you stand out, you brace, the band is going to try and pull you in, and you're going to resist that rotation. You're going to keep it really stable throughout the body. Um, your row variations on the ground, so like a hand plank position, renegade row, so you're going to row weight up again. Don't let your pelvis shift, don't let your hips move. Um, so even if, if people want to look up those exercises, a pull-off press, a renegade row, they all involve anti-rotation. Um, but even just doing normal strength exercises and having like a little certain variation on them. So if you're doing like, you know, certain presses or pulls, but you do them in certain stances or whatever, that can make it more anti-rotational. So if you want a total body workout, you still want to get your upper body and your lower body in, you can just make little subtle tweaks to those variations. We do a lot in the classes, not for golf, not not, yeah. not for golf, but from an S and C standpoint, I program a lot of it for that reason of trying to get bang for your buck. Uh, so the example that we single arm presses. So like today, um, I did the tank top session. So in that, we're doing single arm curl to press. So obviously, we're working our biceps, we're working our shoulders, but because we've done it single arm. Yours, there's a huge anti-rotation on that to stop you tipping over to one side. Yeah. So like, uh, or single arm rows, which would be a real common one people would do when you're doing single arm rows. Um, they're all examples or single arm lunges. Anything where you do a single-sided exercise, you're having to, yeah. to, to brace your core and stop exactly. rotation on Just that. trying to resist movement yeah. on those unilateral exercises. And if you do that, you're, you'll develop a stronger core. Yeah. What's interesting, I know we're kind of talking about this kind of general stuff, like for what you talk about there Colin the reason anti-rotation is so important like without um, being too much of a nose and like with the golf swing it's actually what people think it's the ability to to turn fast it's actually the ability to stop your body turning fast that enables the like kinematic sequence of the golf swing so if you've got the golf club at the top it's not how quickly you can bring the golf club to the bottom it's how quickly you can stop your shoulders which allows your hips to turn fast and then when you stop the hips it allows your your torso to rotate so it's actually the ability to not only be fast through the swing yeah disassociate and break so you know if you can get your arms to stop then allow your torso to twist torso to stop so then your hips can twist that's where speed actually comes from. That's what creates speed in the head of the golf club. It's not because, you know, I've gone to the range with like trying to do my best price in Shambo. Like a few people who know me will laugh at this because I think like speed in the golf swing is by far the most important thing. I get a lot of shit from a lot of people I play with when I hit it off the planet. But like I heard you hit Mr. McCracken the other day. Let's, let's not go into detail <laughs> on that. We could GDPR issues. Uh, well, that was, I don't want to big myself up, but he was a long way away and the ball nearly hit him. So we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. But, but like the thing about that is, is like, I would have gone down that road of like, I want to get be able to swing the golf club as fast as I can. My training is going to mirror that. And when I go to the range, I'm going to try to swing the golf club as fast as I can. 
I went through like six months where, and some would argue I still do, hit the ball all over the place. And I would have got a lot of grief from people who are better than me being like, you're swinging too fast. And I'm like, no, I'm actually not swinging fast enough and I'm not doing it regularly enough to learn how to control it. So I think for people who are at a level where they want to hit the ball further and get better, go swing fast. Like do the generic strength training that allows you to be able to, to break, to rotate, to anti-rotate, to, so your body doesn't break down. That's the first thing. You have to have the work capacity in the body to allow you to produce speed at a consistent level, but then go and learn how to swing fast. And, and then when you can swing fast, then learn how to control it and take it to the golf course. Yeah, once you have the sequencing down, then swing as fast as you want because you want to develop that power. You know, but you got to have the sequencing first and that's what you're talking about. That you got to be able to break. Hips got to go, like, disassociate first and then everything comes from there. Nice. And the real hot take, Carl, before we wrap up, unless Rosie, you have any more burning questions. No, no, no. The, the real hot take everyone wants to know, obviously, I'm you know, sitting across. Who's going to win it's really exciting. Yeah, looking at, look, I've got the captain. I'm in the lair here with the enemy. Look, I've, got, not, like I've got the captain and vice captain of uh, the rest of Ireland who are co-captains. going up against less yeah. co- oh, co-captains. Yeah. You're letting him be your co-captain? Yeah, yeah, of course. I thought you were clearly yeah. captain. He was your vice. I'm the logistics. He's the knowledge. He's the, he's the face. Okay, yeah. you're, pulling, do, you're pulling the strings in the background. I'm pulling the strings in the background. Okay, yeah. so give us the hot take. How's it going to go? We're quite confident, yeah. How, how are you feeling about it? I don't want to talk about me. I'm ready to go. I'm, ready, I've got a lot of speed. We just talked about my speed. We're ready to rock. But again, we'll probably try and uh, throw up some anyone who doesn't. If you want to join our golf society, get get in touch with us. Uh, you know, we've got very active golf society in the gym. We do four majors a year, Ryder Cup. We go away for two or three nights. There's a, like I said, going to hopefully be the event of the last 18 months because there's a lot of uh, pent up, uh, shall we say, eagerness to play golf to be around each other you know hopefully everyone's going to be kind of vaccinated by then a lot of crack might be some some pints flowing who knows but yeah it's, it's going to be a great a great thing to look forward to and i think um you know kyle obviously uh you know i wish you guys the best of luck is all i can say yeah um, and if you can you know, assume you're training your whole team up in line what you're talking about there they're all going to be doing their warm-ups before but is that what we should expect at the range you've got everyone drilled well i don't want to give anything Okay. <laughs> you were great. But the answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> a great guest up until now. Um, listen, Carl, thanks a minute for your time. We really appreciate it. If anyone wants to check Carl out, check him on the FS website or Carl, what's your Instagram handle? Carl, Carl. Original. Yeah, like I said, we're, 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 we're good with, to be underwhelmed. Yeah. We're good with the names, like, you know, work capacity, metabolic needle. It does what it yeah. says on the tin. Uh, thanks for your time, Carl. Really appreciate it. Thanks very much, Dad. Cheers, Carl.